0: And so we look at the parable of the two sons. Now Jesus um, tells this story after he had had some major run-ins with the scribes and Pharisees, and I mean major run-ins. Firstly he'd overturned the tables in the temple where there'd been illegal money dealing, you all know that story. But then after he cleared the temple area we read that he healed the lame and the sick. The children were there and they they thought jesus was wonderful it was like a post palm sunday shout they were still praising him Uh, they they couldn't believe that he was healing the sick uh, and looking after those who were less fortunate they thought it was wonderful but the scribes and pharisees didn't like it they were angry with everything Uh, and secondly the chief priests and elders confronted jesus and questioned this by what authority are you able to do these miracles And this was just the latest in a long line of arguments that they put forward. They couldn't see beyond legalism. They were mainly men who coveted their own authority and personal ambition ahead of anything else and they tried to set Jesus trick questions so that he could answer uh, and incriminate himself. But when we come to verse 28 I sense that Jesus is quite weary of this And so he tells a story, he looks them right in the eye and he says, what do you think? What do you, your choice guys. So he tells the story of the two sons that you heard read earlier. The father gives the same instruction to both sons, go work in the vineyard. The first guy says, no way, but then he changes his mind and he goes. The second son says, wait, I will go but then he doesn't go, he's the disobedient son. So let's go further into the story. Obviously the character of each son is different. One son is independent and he's initially disobedient, but after thinking about his own response and considering it carefully, he returns to carry out the promise of the father. But the second son, well, he's a talker. He's full of promises and no action. And in these two men, Christ describes on the one hand sinners of all types who, when convicted by Jesus and also John the Baptist, turned from their old lives, repented and obeyed God. And what is interesting here is, of course, that this gospel is written by Matthew. And he knew this experience for himself. It is his story. And so we see that he woke up and he faithfully followed a disciple of Jesus. On the other hand, we've got the scribes and the Pharisees represented by the other son another self-righteous people who live by talk, by power, by authority, by saying the right things, but being completely different people. They would not receive the gospel. Now, the word authority is a powerful word, isn't it? If you have authority over somebody, you have a power over him or her. And for better or worse, you exert some sort of control, perhaps even some kind of judgment. And I have to say that abuse of power in every context is a sin. Authority is almost always contested and fought over. In fact, all of us fight little wars for authority all the time, but we don't always stop to realise it. You know you're in a battle for authority when you hear somebody say to you, well, who do you think you are? Or what gives you the right? Or what do you think you're doing? As if you don't have the authority. Those are all questions of authority. But here in the example of son number two, Jesus tells the chief priests and teachers of the law, he says, you are so caught up in yourselves that you are not recognising authority even when he stands before you. He is authority. You're not recognising it even when he stands before you in the flesh. So wake up. And he's saying things that all of us today need to hear. You see, it's possible to be in the church and to look the part, to act out the rituals, to say all the right words and do all the right things, but not really have that living relationship with God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's possible to be filled with ourselves, isn't it? Again and again, Jesus exposes the scribes and Pharisees right through his ministry. He describes them for who they are. And in Matthew 23, you get examples of this. For example, he calls them whitewashed sepulchres, whitewashed tombs. Or he calls them cups that are clean on the outside, but filthy on the inside. And in John chapter 9, you've got the well-known phrase, of course, you're like blind men leading blind men. And do you think the church today would grow if it wasn't being led so much by people who are looking the part but not having that relationship with God? I wonder. So as we wake up to some kind of new world reality now, this is the time for spiritual authority to, seen, to be seen at its most genuine Christians must be wary of pharisaical attitudes, even in 2020, saying the right things, putting on an act, wearing the right stuff, holding to legalism and tradition that holds sway over the purposes of God in a worried world. No hypocrisy. May we not have the appearance of cleanliness while inside the cup is dirty. Whatever it takes, we must be Jesus where we are as we tentatively wake up from months of strangeness and sadness, perhaps for some, it's time to consciously decide to make a new start, to go from the old to the new in the same way that Matthew did. So, what do you think? That's not my question, that's Jesus' question. What do you think? He asks us all. And we are invited to be like the first son and actively live out Christ's life of obedience. You see, of course, he did make a mistake. He did make a mistake by saying he wouldn't do this, but then he changed his mind. God understands mistakes, and as I've often said, you know, our mistakes, when we look back, they are lessons, not life sentences, and Matthew could testify to that. And the first action that we are invited to every time is to come to the cross of Jesus, and by his grace, to be made to look like the saviour. Lord, I wanna be like you. This was Matthew's story. Let it be ours. We are in God's image, internally, inwardly looking like him. That's what he desires for us. And there is one who has authority that surpasses all other authorities. There is one who sits in the supreme position of power. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How blessed we are to know of this Christ. How blessed we are to live by his grace. And how blessed we are to be his daughters and his sons. His name is Jesus. And he says of himself in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We have the choice. Search your heart. What do you think? You call it. Call on the side of Christ and his authority, his righteousness, his grace, his peace and his love. Amen. Amen.